Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. You guys doing all right out there? Okay, yeah. Well, it's great to be back here at Faith with you. As Pastor Blake mentioned, my name's Tim, and I get the honor of serving as lead pastor at Central Christian Church in San Jose, California. And I was talking to John earlier, and he was asking, is thing, are things as crazy in California as they make out on the news? And, and yes and no. It is, it is awesome because it's a beautiful state, but, but at the same time, it's it is crazy. So there's some craziness out there, but I'm just honored to be with you in this great state of Florida. And uh, I think the world of your pastors I want you to know that. I've known Pastor Blake and Brittany uh, for over 18 years now, and I've seen them in life's greatest moments, and I've walked with them through life's worst moments. And I can tell you this, they love God in the good seasons and the bad seasons, in the blessings and in the breaking, like we sang in that song. Uh, your pastors live that out, and I don't know about you, but I'm just grateful for them. Uh, and I think they're Worth, worth a little bit of honor. So let's give it up for Pastor Blake, Pastor Brittany, and the whole pastoral staff. We've got tremendous staff here, here at Faith. And uh, I see Pastor Phil back there. And I thank the world of your uh, previous pastor, Pastor Phil. Man, you should be up here on stage, actually. Uh, then I could be on vacation. I live in California. Pastor Blake called me recently and he said, hey, Tim, uh, I know California's crazy. He says, you guys still believe in free speech out there in California? And I thought, that's a weird question, man. But yeah, I believe in free speech. And he said, well, great. Why don't you come give one here at Faith when you're in town? I said, well... All right, but you get what you pay for. So uh, I'm honored to be here. Uh, throughout the Bible, really the whole, whole purpose of, of this talk, really the purpose of every minister of the gospel is to take, take you, take the church on this journey to step into all that God has for you in your life. And my hope in 2024 is that you experience God's best for your life. And Pastor Blake mentioned it was on the screen, but the culture course is a great way to do that. There's four things that the Bible talks about from cover to cover that God lays out as, as God's plan for your life. And the first thing on that list is that you would know God. And that, that's really the heart of faith, to help you know God better, that you would be a person that would discover your purpose, because you just need to know that God created you on purpose and with purpose. And until you discover your purpose, life's going to feel very meaningless. And culture, of course, is a great way to discover that. But then, then to grow with others and to, and to live a life that makes a difference. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Living a, how do you live a life that makes a difference? Because you just need to know this, that the, the ultimate purpose of your life isn't just to pay bills and pay taxes and then become fertilizer when you die. Your ultimate purpose in this life is to make a difference in this life, to make a, make a difference. Oftentimes we talk about legacy, right? And we all wanna, we all wanna leave a legacy. Well, what's a legacy? A legacy is what people remember about you when you're gone. I mean, that's what, what like a dude like me is gonna stay on a stage like this when, when you're down there in a casket, when I'm in a casket one day. My legacy is gonna be what people recount about my, about my life. But it's not just going to be what people remember about me when I'm gone. Legacy is ultimately what God's going to remember when you meet him face to face. Ultimately, a legacy is going to be what, what God remembers about you. And you say, well, wait, it's not really about, about me and I don't know about my legacy and all that stuff. But listen, God has that for you. As a matter of fact, Psalm 112 verse 5 says this, good will come. In other words, God's hand of favor will be on the life. God, good will come to those who are gener generous and lend freely they will be remembered. They're going to leave a legacy for forever. But not only is it going to be what people remember, it's going to be what God remembers. Hebrews 6.10 says this, God is not unjust. Check this out. He will not forget 
your work. He won't forget what you've done and the love that you've shown him as you have helped his people and you continue to help them. I don't know about you, church, but I don't want my legacy. I don't want the yardstick for my life to be what I've done in my past. I mean, praise God for the sacrifices. Praise God for what's taken place in the past. But I just believe in 2024, God has more for my future. I know he has more for your future. I mean, praise God for what he's done at Faith Assembly in the past. I mean, he's done amazing things. You guys have supported missionaries that have gone out around the world. You guys continue to do big things today. But here's what you need to know. He's got even bigger things for your future, Faith. Listen, the yardstick of your success, the yardstick of your legacy here at Faith is yet to be determined. And here's the deal. You get to chart that course. And I just know God has big things for you. And I know you want all that he has. And my hope is that we step in that together. And so here's the reality. though: There's coming a day when you're going to stand before God and you're going to give an account for your life. And part of my hope today is just to help you prepare for, for that day. And here's what you need to know. There's more to this life than this life. There's more to this life than this life. You're not just a, a physical person who's having temporary spiritual experiences. You are a spiritual being having temporary physical experiences. This life is very short and there's more to this life than what you're experiencing right here right now. But most of our conversation focuses on right here, right now. If you're like me, gravitational pull of life focuses right here, right now. Like how's the weather? Are the fish biting? I mean, how terrible are those Cincinnati Bengals? I mean, what in the world is going on with them? I mean, the Chiefs play them today. I mean, I wonder if, if, if Taylor Swift will be at the game. Do you hear about Taylor Swift, Travis Kelly? All conversation, right? I mean, the really important things in life. That's what we talk about most of the time. But here's the challenge. There's more to life than just this, this life. And James puts it this way. Your life is a vapor. It's here and it's... It's gone. There used to be this, this phrase that you heard a lot. You hear it sometimes now, but uh, this phrase, YOLO. YOLO, you only live once. And according to ChatGBT, YOLO was originated by this rapper named Drake, uh, basically to excuse poor, poor, poor decision-making. And so the idea here is like, well, hey, uh, why not drink that? Why not eat that? Why not smoke that? Because after all, YOLO, you only live once. And, uh, and the enemy of your soul would love for you to believe that. He would love for you to believe that you only live once. But the true reality is, you might, might hashtag this one, yolt. You only live twice because you live right here, right now. And then after this life is where real life begins. Hebrews 9.27, I just want, I'm just here to bless you, just want to brighten your day. Here's what not, Hebrews 9.27 says, God has destined a man to die once and then after that, there's going to be judgment for you, for me. It's just a reality that all of us are going to experience. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, that's okay. You're still going to experience it. Uh, how many of you uh, here, you know, you, you would say, man, I, I love taking tests. Any test takers here? You just love taking tests. Um, we got one, two on the front row. Wow. Uh, all for the rest of us who don't enjoy taking tests. I never like taking tests. Matter of fact, if we had test day, I knew a test was coming and I was in high school, I probably would skip that day. I didn't like taking tests. Uh, once I started following Jesus and, and got saved, uh, I was going to college and uh, man, everything, then my, world, my whole worldview changed. And I thought, man, I saw God in creation and biology. I saw God in order of mathematics. And I thought, this is amazing how God's finger 
fingerprints on everything. And I actually enjoyed taking tests as long as I was prepared for the test. Uh, but I had this philosophy professor. I don't know if you remember Dr. Pincombe. Uh, and, and he taught theology, taught philosophy. Uh, but Dr. Pincombe, we say, Dr. Pincombe, he said, hey, test is on Friday. Dr. Pincombe, what's going to be on the test? And he would say, he's a philosophy guy. He said, well, class, every day is a study guide. And I thought, well, thanks for nothing. I'm taking notes as fast as I can. And I don't want to, you're going to, your test day's coming is what I'm saying. And I don't want you to be unprepared for your test. So there's going to be, you're going to get a test when you die. There's going to be two questions on that test. If you don't get the first question right, you don't even get the second question. So like the stakes are pretty high. So you ready? Here's the first question. I'm just trying to help you out. Here's the study guide to live with eternity in mind. And here's, here's number one question. The first question you're going to ask on that test is what did you do with my son, Jesus? What did you do with my son, Jesus? Now, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know if it's going to be like, paging Tim Perkins, page, boop, paging Tim Perkins, please step in for your test. I don't know if it's going to be like that. I don't know if it's going to be like all of us in one. I don't know how it's going to work out exactly, but I know there's going to be a test, and I know I'm going to get asked that question. Matter of fact, Revelation, is, uh, theology refers to as the great white throne judgment, but Revelation 20, verse 11 says this, it says, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence and there is no place for them. This is the uncreation of the world as we know it. God's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. And in this moment, creation itself is going to be pulled apart at the seams. And it says this in verse 12, and I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. Adam and Eve, Elon Musk, Jeffrey Bezos. Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, and the list could go on. Standing before the throne. And check it out. It says, and the books. Notice the multiple. There's an S there. There's multiple books were open. And here's what you would need to know. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, here's what you need to know about your life. There is a ledger. There are books that document everything that you've ever done in your life. Jesus put it this way. He said, a man will give an account for every idle word you've ever spoken. Think, think of it this way, like every, every lie you've ever told, every time you've gossiped, every time you shaded the truth, every time you tried to manipulate that situation or that person to get what you wanted, it's documented in a book. And it says the books are going to be opened and they're going to be judged according to what they have, have done. But check it out, there's another book. Notice this is singular. One book was open and this is the book of of life, And once you surrender your life to Jesus, once you become a child of God, you get your name written in this, this Lamb's book of life, as it's referred to. But it says the dead were judged according to what they had done, as was recorded in the books. So there's, there's books for people that are not yet children of God, and, and they're going to give an account for everything that they've ever done. But there's also one book that is the Lamb's book of life. And once your name's written in it, your, your, your books, the documents, the ledgers, it's actually an accounting term where we're like, this accountant's documenting every penny, every iota. You're going to give an account for everything you've ever done. But once you become a follower of Jesus, the, the books are erased. Your account brought to zero, like your, your, your case expunged. You say, well, where do you, where do you get that? 
Well, there's a lot of places. Let me just show you one spot in Colossians 2.13. says, it says, you, you, me, we, we were dead because of our, our sin, because of our sinful nature was not yet cut away. But check this out. Here's what salvation is. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. Notice that all of them, past, present sins, all of them erased. Verse 14, and he canceled them. The recorded record of charges against us. He took it away. How did he do it, nailing it to the cross. Friends, that's why the cross is essential to our faith because it's on the cross that your case was forgiven. It's on the cross that your sins were, ex- were expunged, like, like no more, no more documentation that could condemn you in the courts of heaven. And I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited about that because I know what I've done. And I know it's not just one. I got a long list of stuff I've done. And I'm grateful that his grace is sufficient to cover them all. So, so how do you get your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? That would be a good question. Well, here's what you need to know. And if you've been around faith, you, you already know this. I mean, it's not your church attendance. Pastors, we wish it was. It's not your giving records. It's not your membership here or any other church. It's, it has nothing to do with anything, even getting baptized. It has nothing to do with that, as important as that is. All those things ha- have tremendous precedence in the Bible. The Bible has a whole lot to say about all those things, but none of that will get you into heaven. There's only one thing that will, and that's having a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Matthew, I'm just going to share with you this passage in Matthew 7. And honestly, as a pastor, I'll tell you, this, this passage actually haunts me. This, this passage keeps me awake at night. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus said this. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Like, like people who, who knew the right words. They knew the right answers. They know, Jesus, you're the Lord. Like, But he says, not everyone who says that will get into the kingdom of heaven. I mean, our faith has to be more than intellectual. We actually have to to do something. It has to be heart transformation. He says says this, but but, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Then look at this next word. It says, many, not just a few, but many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord. Like, again, they say the right things, but not only do they say the right things, now they do the right things. They say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, did we drive out demons? And in your name, did we perform miracles? I mean, have you performed miracles? Have you driven out demons? Do you, do you know the right answers? If you have, Jesus is saying, even that isn't enough. Because he says, then I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Jesus is saying, I'm not looking for religion from you. I'm looking for a relationship with you. I didn't call you just to do stuff for me. I called you to be with me. And here's the question, do you know him? Not do you do stuff for him. I mean, you guys, you're here on New Year's Eve. I know your heart's to love God. I know your heart's to do the right thing. But my question is, have you heard his voice? Have you been talking to him lately? Has he been speaking to you? Because that's the most important thing. Do you know him? So the first question, what did you do with my son Jesus? I'm just going to give you the answer. I want you to be ready for the test. Here's the answer. I knew him personally. I didn't just know stuff about him. It wasn't just intellectual knowledge. I didn't just rock up to church. I, no, no, I, I knew him personally. He, he's my best friend. And now that, 
That's not just something you can say. It's something you have to live every day. You get the honor of living it today. You get the honor of living it tomorrow, 2024. Make this your top goal. I want to know God. There's a reason that's number one on your, your values list. You go to culture course next week, learn more about it. How do I how can I know God? That's, that's Pastor Blake's heart to help you know him better. The right answer is I knew him personally. So if you get that one right, two questions test, remember. And if you don't get that question right, you don't even get the second question. But let's just assume we all get that right because you attend Faith Assembly and you're hearing this, the best message you ever heard on January, December 31st of 2023, right? Now, that was a joke, by the way. Um, my mom's laughing online, I'm sure. Uh, here's the second question. Let's assume everyone got that question right. Second question, what'd you do with what I gave you? God's going to ask you that question. First question is a heaven or hell issue. Second question is a rewards issue. What'd you do with what I I gave you. And I'm not just talking about money, but this isn't a money talk, but money's certainly on the list. I mean, God gave you arms. Did you use them to hug some hurting people? God gave you a smile. Did you use it to brighten someone's day? Did you, did you use your hands to, to build his kingdom, your ideas, your imagination, your talents, your abilities, your car, your house, your family, your clothes, your job, your money? Did you, did, did you use what he gave you? to build his kingdom. The, the second judgment isn't just, it's, 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 it's only for God's kids. The, the first judgment separates heaven or hell issues. Second judgment is, is this, this rewards issue. There's an interesting passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, and, and it says this. It says, so, so for God's kids, he's talking to the church. He says, for we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, that word judgment seat, in our minds, it often flashes to like this Judge Judy scene where Judge Judy is now on this, she's got the gavel in hand, she's making snarky remarks, and she's like, you didn't pay child support, <laughs> you slug. You know, that, that's not what's taking place here. Uh, the Greek word there is bima. And uh, in Corinth, where Paul was writing this letter to the Corinthian church, uh, they would have the Corinthian games every three years, similar to the Olympic games. And the Bema was a platform very similar to this, where after athletes have competed and ran the race, they would get to stand on that Bema and they would be assessed for their performance, for things that they did while competing in the games. And Paul's saying here that for you, your day's coming because you're going to get the first answer right. I knew God personally. Second question, what'd you do with what I gave you? You're going to stand on the Bema seat and you're going to be assessed. You're going to be judged for things that you have, have done. It says, for we all must appear before that, that Bema seat. It's, like, it's not going to be like this somber moment. Everyone's going to be happy, like, yeah, you did it. Like you ran your race. Yeah, well, well done. It's going to be the celebration we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each may receive what is due him for things done. What did you do with, with what I gave you? Again, not a heaven or hell issue. You're saved by grace through faith alone. You can't earn it. What did you do with things done? While in the body, we'll be judged whether it was good or it was, it was bad. Jesus said this, Matthew 16, 27, for the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels. Check this out. And he will reward. He's going to reward you. Reward each person according to what they have done. Again, the question is, what did you do with what I gave you? Uh, that word reward is an interesting word. It's the Greek word apodidomai. It, check this out. It literally means I'm going to pay you back. The sacrifices you made, 
using your talents to build his church, to build his kingdom, the times that you were serving, the times that you, you were leaning in. He said, hey, I'm going to reward you. I'm going to pay you back. I'll pay back each person according to what they have, have done. Hebrews 11.6 says this, and, and it is impossible to please God without faith. I mean, I'm sure that's why you guys, you're called faith, because it's impossible to please God without faith. It's a pretty big deal. And anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And we would agree with that. But the second part, for some Christians, kind of like, I'm not too sure about that one. We must believe that he exists, check this out, and that he rewards. He's going to reward you. He rewards those who sincerely seek him. And if you're like me, there's part of you that's like, wants to push back and like, God, you don't need a reward. I, I'm just here to serve you. But he's like, hey, this is my show. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reward you. There's, there's power, there's significance in last words. And if you were to turn to the very last page of your Bible and you would look at the very last words of Jesus, you would turn to Revelation 22. And in Revelation 22, verse 12, Jesus said this, behold, I'm coming soon. And everyone said, amen. Like, let's get up out of here. Things are getting a little crazy. Uh, behold, I'm coming soon. Check this out. And my reward is with me. Check it out. Jesus is so excited to reward you. He's not just going to wait till you get to heaven to reward you. He's like, I'm coming to earth. I'm coming to get my church. Matter of fact, I'm going to bring my rewards with me. I don't know about you. I think that's funny. Because I'm just excited to serve a God that's so eager to reward you for things that you have, have done. Behold, I'm coming soon. My rewards are with me. And I will give each person to everyone according to what they have done. What'd you do with what I gave you? Here's the right answer. I hope you're taking notes. Write this one down. Because you're going to get asked this test question. What'd you do with what I gave you? Your response is going to be, I used what you gave me to make an eternal difference. I didn't just sit on it. I didn't just invest it. No, I used it to, to make an eternal investment, an eternal difference. Uh, most everyone has heard of an ROI, and I don't know how your ROI is looking this year based on the stock market. Uh, people in Silicon Valley have their eyes on that a whole lot. Uh, but, uh, but, but more important than an ROI is an EROI. How's your eternal investment portfolio looking because again, you, 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 live, you live twice. It's important to have good investments right here, right now, and you can enjoy retirement in Florida, which, which is a beautiful thing. But eternity, man, it's, it's forever. How's your eternal investment looking? And I have one goal today, and that's to get everybody here to focus again on eternity. My hope is that you don't just focus on eternity when the bottom's falling out, not, not when you know you need a savior, not just when you know you really screwed up and you need God. No, every day of your life in 2024, how do you live every day with an eternal investment in mind? Jesus had a whole lot to say about making an eternal investment. And, uh, and here's what he said. Matthew 6, 19 says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves have to break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where you don't need insurance on it, where you don't have to put a camera on it, where moth and rust don't destroy and where thieves cannot break in and steal. So how do you, how do you do that? Well, I got one point sermon for you today. Uh, my church back in California would be amazed by this. Just a one point sermon. I've said everything I've said to this point for this one, one point. Be intentional. How do you live with an e eternal investment in 2024, you're gonna, we're going to have to be intentional about it. No one just drifts through life 
it makes an eternal investment. We got to be intentional. So, so I want to give you just three keys for an eternal ROI. And here's the first one, give intentionally. We're going to have to give intentionally. Again, I'm not just talking about money, but it's certainly, it's certainly on the list. And here's what I would say too. You're not responsible to give what you don't have. You're only responsible to give what you do have. And I don't know about you, I'm thankful for that. 2 Corinthians 9:11 says this, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through your generosity, it will result in thanksgiving to God. Like God uses your generosity so that others turn to him, so that others look to him, so that others come to know him. And if you're, you're giving here at faith, I would just say, man, you're, you're giving in good soil. You're going to have an eternal return on investment. Uh, Dave Ramsey, a uh, guy who, who created Financial Peace University, he, he said this. He said, you, you, you don't have to, uh, if you don't tell your money where to go, you're just going to wonder where it went. And anybody, anybody said amen to that one. We said, amen or oh my, one of the two. Uh, but if you don't tell your money where to go, it's just true. You're going to wonder where it went. And uh, there's this guy named Ron Blue. I read this book a few years ago. He said there's five things that you can do with your money, whether you're rich, you're poor, five things all of us can do with our money. Number one, we can spend it. Two, we can repay debt. Number three, we can pay our taxes. Number four, you can save it. Number five, you can give it. And he says, he says most people live with their, their giving, their finances in this order. And he says, if you live with your finances in this order, here's ultimately what you're what you're doing. You're saying, I'm going to spend it, so I'm going to put me first. I'm going to repay debt. I'm going to put my creditors second. I'm going to pay my taxes. I'll give the government third. I'm going to save some. I'll put me fourth, and then I'm going to give it last. Whatever's left over, I'll give it. And so I'm going to put God at the bottom of the list. And I would just encourage you, if you want to make an eternal difference, we got to turn that, we got to turn that on its, its head and put God at number one, give him the first and the best. And if you do, here's what will happen. Proverbs eleven twenty four says this, the world of the generous, you, you live that way, you put God first in your finances and your generosity, you become a generous person. The world of the generous, it gets larger and larger. And man, I want that for you. The world of the stingy, however, is just going to get smaller and smaller. But the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. And those who help others, well, they're the ones who are going to get helped. For a lot of people, we look at people who are very wealthy and we say, well, yeah, if I had what they had, I'd be super generous too. But that's not how it works. They, they were faithful with what they were given and the world just got larger and larger and larger. And some people were given a whole lot, but they were stingy with it. They sat on it, they hoarded it, and therefore the world just got smaller and smaller and smaller. So we got to be intentional. First Corinthians 16 two, uh, Paul's talking to the church about taking an offering for this church in Jerusalem. And he says this, he says, Hey, be intentional. Here's what he says. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, Noah, collect, like, I'm not going to have to show you a, a, an emotional video. I'm not going to have to, I'm not going to have to make a big ask. I'm not going to have to beg. I'm just, I won't, I won't, no collection will be necessary because you are living intentionally. So we're going to intentionally give. Number two, we're going to intentionally serve. Here's what Paul wrote to his apprentice, Timothy. First Timothy 6, 18 says this, tell them. So this is, my name's Timothy. I'm just telling you, tell them, use their money to do good, that they should be rich in good works. There it is. Serve others. 
and should be, uh, give happily to those in need, always ready to share with others whatever God has given them. And by doing this, watch this, by doing this, they'll be storing up real treasure for themselves in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity. Listen, are you serving? Are you using your time, your talents to build God's church to make an eternal difference? I mean, why not join the greeting team? Like, like jump on, guest experience team. Why not rock some babies in the nursery? I did a funeral uh, a couple weeks ago. This lady served in our nursery for, <laughs> you ready for this? She served for 37 years. There was a dude at the funeral my age, and he said this. He said, I remember, her name was Laura. I remember Laura holding me as a little kid. She put her hand on my forehead. She put her, her hand on my feet, and she talked to Jesus as she held me. An eternal difference. All of us are capable of doing something. You're not responsible for what you don't have. You're just responsible for what you do. And how are you serving to make an eternal difference? Third and final point is this. If we're going to live intentionally, we, let's intentionally share Jesus. Intentionally share Jesus. We have to be intentional about this because if you're like me, the gravitational pull on your life and my life is to selfishness. What, what I want, when I want, how I want. And honestly, talking to people about Jesus in day-to-day conversation can be uncomfortable. And so if I'm not intentional, if I'm not looking for opportunities, if I'm not looking for divine appointments, I'm going to miss it because I'm just going to focus on my, myself. So we got to be intentional. Not only do we, we gravitate towards selfishness, you have a very real enemy of your soul, the devil. He doesn't want you talking about Jesus. We've got to be intentional. And so here, here's my encouragement. Here's what Pastor Blake talks about. We've got to live with a one-friend focus. So here's my question to you. In 2024, who's one friend that you know that does not know God? Is not right in the relationship with Jesus? Like who's one person that you interact with on a weekly basis, maybe at work, could be a neighbor, could be a barista, could be, could be that gal that works at Publix. Who's one person that you're going to intentionally ask God, God, give me the opportunity to lead them to you this year in 2024. You say, well, how do I do that? Let me give you four things you're going to do for that person. Number one, you're going to pray for them every day. I'm going to pray for them every day. You're going to talk to Jesus. God, would you save them? God, would you open their eyes? God, they're spiritually dead. Would you make them spiritually alive? God, God would you help them? You're going to pray for them every day. Second thing you're going to do, you're going to bless them. You might say, well, this dude, man, he's a heel. I don't want to say anything nice about him. No, you're going to find something positive about him and say it. If he's a jerk, he knows it because everyone else is telling him he's a jerk. But not you. You're going to say something positive. You're going to pray for him every day. You're going to speak life over him. You're going to bless him. Third thing you're going to do, you're going to, you're going to find ways to help him. Just practical. How can I help this guy? How can I help this gal? And then fourth thing you're going to do, you're going to tell him. You're going to tell him what Jesus has done for you. You're going to tell him the gospel. And if you're like, man, I don't know if I can do that. Well, just invite him to faith assembly this year. Let Blake tell him. But, like, but you're going to pray for him every day, bless him, help them, tell them. Any Charlie Brown fans out there? You guys, this is a, this is a hard pivot, but uh, do you guys watch uh, uh, Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, maybe Charlie Brown Christmas? Yeah, okay, we got 12 of you. All right, well, for the 12 of you, that 13, I saw that hand up top. Uh, 13 of you, you guys like Charlie Brown Christmas. Charlie Brown, uh, there's this cartoon of Charlie Brown, and Lucy comes to Charlie Brown. She says, Charlie Brown, I'm going to change the world. Charlie Brown says, what? She says, yeah, I'm going to change the world. No more political divisions, no more hunger, no more crime, no more violence, no more war, just peace. I'm going to change the world, Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown looks at Lucy and says, Lucy, you're crazy. How are you going to change the world, Lucy? 
Lucy, check out this cartoon. Lucy looks at Charlie Brown. I'm going to change the world, and I'm going to start with you, Charlie Brown. (laughs) So my question to you is, who's your Charlie Brown? Who are you going to start with? 2024, I mean, it's coming tomorrow. Why not write some? I encourage you right now, you're taking notes, write somebody's name. I'm going to pray for them daily. I'm going to look for ways to bless them. I'm going to speak life over them. I'm going to look for ways to help. I'm going to tell them what Jesus has done for me. You're going to change the world. You know how you change the world? Lucy's right. One person at a time. Who's your one? James 5.19 says this, my dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth, and we're just going to take a time out right there. Is there anybody that used to be sitting in the row you're sitting in that's not by you today? Maybe they've wandered from the truth. I mean, you got a great pastoral staff here, but they can't do it all. But why don't you call them? Why don't you reach out to them? Why don't you hunt them down and say, how are you doing? Here's why the stakes are so high. Anyone who, brothers and sisters, if someone wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure of this, that whoever brings the sinner back will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Why not, instead of saying whoever, why why not put your name there? Not just whoever, that's John, that's Linda, that's Joy, that's Rich, that's Sue, that's Tim, that's Mike, that's Cheryl. I'm gonna put my name there. I'm gonna lead somebody back in 2024 and and I'm gonna save them from their error of their ways and bring them back from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Why not? Why not you? But I'll guarantee you this, you gotta be, you're gonna have to be intentional if you're gonna do that. How many of you have ever lost something? How many of you have ever lost your keys? You guys lost your keys before? How many of you know someone who loses their keys or their wallet at least once a week? You know, you know people like this, right? Yeah. I know who you're thinking, Brittany. If you have someone who's lost their keys, if you've lost your keys, how many times when you've lost your keys, do you think, well, I lost my keys. I can't start my truck, but praise God, I got a couch. Thank God I got a TV. I know I lost my keys, but I'm just grateful. I got grapefruit on the counter. No, whenever you've lost something, your mind is consumed with that which is lost. You're not thinking about all the blessings. Your mind's focused on what's missing. It was probably about six years ago now. We were traveling from Las Vegas where we lived and Pastor Blake was there, Coach and Lynn were there. The whole family was, was coming to, to Southwest, to, to Fort Myers for Christmas. We're at the Las Vegas airport and my wife walks up to me and uh, I, I got this, we got two boys and a little princess, her name's Elsie, uh, named after great grandma Elsie, be here for a second service. But, but, but El- Tiffany walks up, we all use the restrooms, getting on the plane and, and we're all getting ready to board and Tiffany walks up and I say, well, where's Elsie? She said, well, you got her. I don't have her, you got her. I don't have her, you got her. And I say, Papa Kirk, where's Elsie? Uncle Blake, where's Elsie? Where, where's Elsie? Bodie, where's Elsie? Like, Brittany, where's Elsie? I don't know. She's lost in the Las Vegas airport. We're on the back of doors that have signs that say, if you're being sex trafficked, call this number. And I'm, my mind goes to the worst as her father. And I'm like, I gotta find my girl. I mean, my, da- my daughter's missing. 
So I'm, I'm pulling everyone I can, I'm strangers. Hey, my daughter, she's, she's about three years old. She's got curly hair. She's wearing a Christmas outfit. You gotta help me find her. Can you help me find her? My daughter's missing, help me find her. And in that moment, I could have turned to my wife and said, at least we have our two boys. I mean, two out of three is not bad. No, my mind was consumed with my daughter. She's lost. And I'm just trying to tell you today, Faith Assembly, the heart of your father is that he's lost some kids. And he's asking you, would you help? And if you're gonna help him find some lost kids in 2024, you're gonna have to be intentional. It's not gonna happen by accident. You gotta make it a goal. You gotta write down a name. You gotta pray for him. You gotta, gotta try to help him. You gotta look for windows to tell him. And we found our daughter, by the way. Uh, in case you're wondering, she'll be here next service. She found a little puppy dog. She found this puppy dog. And man, I was about to lose my mind that airport. I found my daughter, I, I ran to her and I said, Elsie, dog, where you been? Daddy was worried sick about you. And you know what heaven does? Every time one lost kid returns home, exact same thing. Here's what the Bible says in Luke 15, 19, says this, you can count on it. That's the kind of party God's angels throw every time one lost soul turns to God. And why not allow God to use you in 2024 to bring back some lost kids? Heaven will throw a celebration because the heart of a father's for his lost kids. And why not be an agent to bring about joy in the kingdom of heaven, church? We're gonna have to be intentional. I close with this quote from Jim Elliott. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Let's give intentionally. Let's serve intentionally. Let's intentionally share Jesus because your test day's coming. My test day's coming. And here's your last fill in the blank. I will never miss what I invest in eternity. Let me pray for you, friends. Father, gosh, I've done my best, God, to communicate your heart for the lost, for the purpose that you have planned for us in 2024. And so God, I, I thank you for these great men and women here at Faith Assembly whose heart just resonates with yours. And God, we wanna be people who, who make an eternal difference. So God, our commitment to you today is we're gonna give intentionally. God, we're gonna serve intentionally. God, we're gonna share Jesus on purpose, intentionally, so that whenever our test day comes, God, we look forward to it with confidence because we're gonna live with purpose today. God, I pray you'd fill everyone with your spirit and empower us to that end, that we'd be a church on mission for you, that our best days would truly be ahead of us and not behind us. God, would you help us to walk with you and just to know you more in this new year? I pray it today in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. 
Thanks again for listening.